Welcome to the Decode Work podcast with your host Nadeem Khan. Decode Work takes you through the transformation that is currently happening in the world of work around technology, leadership and culture. Research suggests that most HR leaders are stuck in the day-to-day operational activities and unable to leverage their time, energy and resources towards the strategic side of their business. This hampers both their productivity and growth. Hence, the aim of this podcast is to unlock your potential and take you on a transformative journey towards becoming a true strategic partner to your business. In my podcast, I invite and discuss insights with global thought leaders on the future of work, HR transformation and organizational strategy. This is the Decode Work Podcast. Welcome to the first episode of the Decode Work Podcast. Our guest for today is none other than Abhijit Bhadri, a global influencer from India. Forbes has described him as India's most interesting globalist. With Abhijit, I discuss impacts of the post-COVID world of work. In this episode, Abhijit discusses his perspectives on how HR and the world of work has shifted and transformed post-COVID. Let's dive in. Uh, welcome, welcome, Abhijit, to our show. Hi, how are you? Uh, thank you so much uh, for having me here. Thank you, thank you. I, I hope that I've I've done a bit of justice with 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 the brief of your introduction. Um, so, welcome to our show, Decode Work. We've had a we've had a previous conversation, but just to let the audience know, the topic today is around uh, post the post-COVID world of work, and we have an expert with us um, who will share uh, his thoughts, uh, Abhijit obviously has uh, more or less um, three decades of experience or maybe even more under his belt and how HR is basically in the world of work has transformed. Um, So uh, can I ask you the first question? How did your journey in HR start off? I've seen that you haven't really, uh, you've had uh, had, uh, had a very diverse background. Could you tell us something about yourself and how uh, you ended up where you are today? Sure, thank you. Uh, Nadeem, I want to begin by first stating that, you know, in this post-pandemic era, there are no experts because, you know, nobody has actually seen anything like this. So if anybody claims to be an expert, and I certainly want to just say I am no expert, but I'm happy to share a couple of things that I have learned. Uh, uh, You know, I started uh, uh, being an entrepreneur about four years back. And prior to that, I was working as the Chief Learning Officer for Wipro, which is a large Indian IT company employing almost 175,000 employees. And that gave me an opportunity to work across multiple countries across the world and gave me an idea of how you scale up uh, the whole process of skill building and something that I think uh, a lot of organizations that I've been working with now, uh, you know, that's the experience that's worked well. Prior to that, I worked as uh, the head of HR for um, Pepsi and Microsoft in India. Uh, and prior to that, spent a long stint in Colgate uh, implementing SAP HR for them and, uh, you know, worked with them in uh, Mumbai yes. and after that, Malaysia and US. So that's broadly a uh, couple of things that I've done. I taught uh, at XLRA, which is where I studied. 
I taught there, um, you know, for about five years. Um, so, but you have things. you have worked with with companies like uh, Colgate, PepsiCo, and Microsoft, and I think that's that's uh, these are some of the I, I would say um, the leading not just from the FMCG sector but also from the tech sector. What exactly do you see um, all of your experience, and how do you see the 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 world of work? evolving post pandemic with with all the experiences and, and the work that you're currently doing um so you know i think one of the pieces i believe is uh, if you have to really look at uh, understand the equilibrium of work uh, you know what changes and how it changes uh, the equation as we looked at as a triangle with three sides you know work worker and workplaces uh, these three always move in tandem so you know when you think of uh, let's say the first industrial revolution, what really happened is, uh, you know, people moved from the agricultural setup. So that was the work that they were doing. The people who were working had a certain set of skills which were relevant to that. And then you also had the workplace, which was the farm. Uh, and then when they moved in into the factory uh, using steam as a method of production, um, this group that was working in the farm suddenly now were factory workers. So the worker had changed. And the skills that they required to work in the factory were completely different. The factory itself was the new workplace. Uh, if you shift a hundred years, you look at the second industrial revolution. That's another kind of a shift, you know, where uh, the work was being done no longer by steam, but was being done by electricity. And so you needed, you know, a different set of things because now you could work for almost 24 hours um, uh, without really taking a break. You were not limited by sunlight. So that sort of allowed you to work in shifts and you had shift supervisors, you had mass production. So just a different way of working. It is just exactly this that, um, you know, you can see every time one of these three changes, um, then, you know, the other two just have to follow. Uh, this is, however, uh, you know, post-pandemic is the first time in human history, all three have changed simultaneously. You know, your workplace is no longer uh, a place that you go to. I mean, you live in the workplace, uh, you know, so uh, that's one. The, uh, the kind of skills that you will need now to do the work, uh, business models have to be formed again. The kind of skills that you're looking at have to be formed again. So this configuration of work, worker and workplaces, which is really what I've uh, talked about in my upcoming book, Dreamers and Unicorns, that's really, uh, you know, how life has changed. Amazing, amazing. Um, uh, we, we, we are really looking forward to your book. Uh, we've mentioned something similar, me and Dave, uh, and, and I think the analogy of what you've given is in the fourth industrial revolution, the, the worker, the workplace, uh, and all these three have actually shifted. And that's, that's a great analogy for our audience to take place. So how do you feel that, you know, the work in the workplace has shifted? We, we, um, I think you have mentioned, but I just want to dig deeper into this. So how do you feel that, you know, now culture has changed, now the skills that employees have to, were required have changed? And the way that we work also changed with, with the workplace. And I think measuring uh, something as close as uh, performance is very intangible. How do you feel all of these different impacts? Uh, how can, what's the role of HR? Can you, can we dig deeper into that? Sure. Um, so um, uh, Nadeem, I think the way I would look at it is, you know, during uh, 2008 and nine, we had a financial crisis. And the, the group that actually had to take the lead to get the world out of that financial crisis was 
uh, you know, the group of CFOs. You know, and, and these were the guys who actually led the organization. So it's pretty much like a jazz band. You know, at some point of time, the trumpeter takes the lead. At some point of time, the guitarist takes the lead and the others sort of stay in the background. So I think this is the time because all three of them have changed. Uh, this is a time when I think HR is going to have to take uh, the lead. And uh, that is, uh, to me, the most significant shift as I can uh, see it. So what is really going to happen is that, you know, since the workplace is going to be different, the measures of all the HR, uh, uh, you know, processes, all of them will have to be reimagined. Uh, right now, what we are doing is we are simply taking the same processes and taking it online. Uh, that's not necessarily how it is going to end up. This is probably the beginning of that evolution. Uh, so, so if you see, you know, the way uh, the you talked about performance management, uh, the ability of the manager to actually manage a team which is fully remote. This has never happened before. I mean, in most organizations, you know, so most organizations have operated on a model where there is co-location. So, you know, you are sitting in and around with your team and at best there is a bunch of people who are out and you can travel and meet them. Now, think about the fact that if you are a global organization, you know, not only can you not travel to any other country, at, at least at this point of time, most countries have a restriction. You cannot even travel to uh, another building in some cases where there's a containment zone, uh, which is happening. So I think the way of, uh, you know, how we connect, you know, whether it is, uh, you know, through video, which is how a lot of people are doing it as a substitute for face-to-face -face conversations. But I think the grammar of this uh, model of engagement uh, how do we hire people? How do we onboard people? How do we uh, measure their performance? Uh, because it's no longer about stepping outside and just seeing who's working or even measuring productivity in the count and compare kind of a measure that you sold, uh, you know, 20 books and I sold uh, to yes. this team. So you are better than me. That count and compare doesn't work anymore. So it's going to be a focus on all the intangible things, which we have always said, if it can't be measured, it's not worth it. And mm. this is actually going to be a time when you will look at all the intangible measures and those will become far more important. For those for those who, who want to learn more about intangibles, can you briefly tell us? I, I, I know my audience knows a lot about this because I keep talking about intangibles, but what in your opinion is, is intangibles? And then we move move back to another question towards what you were saying. What 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 do you what do you mean by when you say intangibles? Is so, it just uh, being yeah. HR or is it more than that? Is it just the people or are you talking about something no, more? No, any, anything and everything. I mean, if you sort of really look at it, uh, you know, um, go back a couple of decades and, you know, if you wanted to know the value of the organization, uh, the thing that created value was actually, uh, you know, all the tangible things like it was the buildings, the machinery that you had, you know, the, the kind of real estate that you had. All of that actually created the value. Uh, but then, and then there were other things which were also there, but they were less important. Uh, now you are in a place where, you know, the, the reason why a company is precious is because the best brains work there. So that's intangible, you know, your talent brand, your ability to attract people. Um, so the, the concepts of design, you know, uh, Apple is a great example of a company that, that uses design as a way of building a competitive advantage. And if you sort of really link back, uh, there are three uh, intangible uh, dimensions uh, of of uh, the softer side, you know, the human side, yes. which is really leadership, talent, and culture. You know, so you sort of yes. look at that. These are the three biggest intangible things that create value uh, in the new scheme of things. So that's how it would be. Okay, so. 
You've talked about two triangles. I'm going to hone into this one, uh, talent, leadership, and culture. Um, I, I also think that there is an intersection between technology and one of the things that HR has been criticized with when, when, we, when we look at is not to be able to upskill itself, not from a, uh, just a technology point of view, but from a finance point of view. And I understand that, you know, the conversation that we had previously was that obviously our end customers, the person, the, the individuals who are buying the product also matter. So how much do you think that the role of HR needs to shift from the normal, what is what was the normal just before the post-COVID or what we were doing? What kind of shifts do you think that HR need to take now, considering this is the new normal? Okay, so uh, you know, Nadim, I think the uh, the important piece to think about is that uh, HR will always, uh, you know, it, it's potentially going to get divided into different chunks, different things that HR is going to do. There's an operational part of it, you know, which um, uh, you know the most obvious thing which is going to happen to that. It's going to get automated because that becomes the basis of data. So every transaction that you're doing, regardless of where you are, that becomes the basis of data. That becomes that data then creates patterns. Once it reaches a certain size, it creates patterns. Those patterns generate insights. So from yeah. those insights, you actually land up creating uh, your policies and um, uh, you know the kind of choices that people have. Okay. So the ability for people to actually get a far more personalized uh, version of the experience of work, uh, really there is an invisible layer, which is technology, as you rightly said. Because that also changes the kind of um, uh, culture that you have. For example, uh, you know you might have access to that technology to collaborate with people, but when you collaborate with people, uh, is it something that is frowned upon? I mean, when you say collaboration, if if I being an HR, am I um, you know is is my manager okay with me working across with let's say somebody in sales and marketing or finance to create a product? Uh, Nobody, if you ask anyone, they will, nobody will ever say that, no, we disagree with that. Yet, you know, uh, there is that invisible element of uh, uh, saying that, well, you know, why don't you focus on your work? And they sort of yes. look at that. So cross-functional collaboration has always been frowned upon because it's, uh, you know, again, it's looked at as a territory. However, when you look at where we are going to be using artificial intelligence and all of that, you know, as, you know, some of the experts say that we are going to move from a vertical view of uh, artificial intelligence, which is that you know you have a uh, you have a particular um, uh, application where you are using AI. You know it could be for let's say hiring, but instead of looking at a vertical version, think of all the data that you have, whether from sales, whether from people, whether from marketing, whether from anything. Um, all of that you plug in into the machine, and then let uh, artificial intelligence make sense of that. And you actually query that program. So in which case, you are taking really a seamless view and really leveraging, A, the size of data, because the bigger it is, the more effective AI is. Uh, and the smaller the data, you know, you're probably better off doing it on Excel. So if you are not really moving to beyond that Excel spreadsheet kind of a model, you're probably not leveraging a data-based uh, HR model any which way. If you don't do that, there is no way you can personalize it. So, mm. you know, the fundamental premise of HR is that it creates a more humane system, one-to-one. Uh, -one. It is not possible to do it unless you actually have the insights. What makes me tick versus what makes you tick necessarily is going to be different. 
So I think that's uh, how I view it. And this is the strategic function for HR that you're saying that is separate from the operational one that you mentioned earlier, right? Yeah, both are important. You know, the, important. there's an operational so, part of it, but that they'll get taken care of by the, the machines. So, you so know, it's, all it's, the things. It's, 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 an, it's an inevitable shift, like um, I would say accounting shifted to finance and um, sales shifted to marketing. In the same case, HR needs to shift from an HR function to a people function, which is more powerful and strategic in nature. And you rightly so summarized. It's the same movement to the yes. intangible, from tangible to intangible. Right. You know, uh, the tangible things are always about push. So yeah. sales is about, I, I sort of go and sort of, uh, push the product onto you. Uh, however, marketing is, uh, you know, the method, the intangible elements always create the pull. So yes. you kind of really say that I really want to buy that. And sales just makes it possible for you to do it in the most efficient manner possible. And that really is how HR is going to be, um, you know, viewed. So there's an operational part of it, which is really the, you know, uh, the stuff that machines will do. Whereas you engage with the person and figure out what are the things that work really well. Can I craft your role so that I can, A, help you learn better things, uh, you know, so that you can expand uh, your area of impact, which is how most people, uh, you know, today, if they have to really improve any aspects of their career, the only way they do it is either bargaining and going somewhere else and sort of, you know, working somewhere else. However, it's possible to create your role such that you always feel that you have uh, impacted the organization in a much bigger way. So right. uh, I think when you look at HR, not from a, a sort of a collective, it's it's no longer going to be a function which is, I create a rule that applies to, you know, all 175,000 people. It doesn't work like that. I create a rule that works for one person. And that's the experience of work that we are really talking about shifting in the post-COVID world. Okay, we, we, we've, um, th this is a great place to ask you this question, uh, especially considering I, I, I personally know some of your experience as well. We, we talk, we're now talking about having agile teams. And by agile teams, I mean someone from the HR goes up, steps up and goes to the marketing and works with on a project. As you've mentioned rightly before, that you know, uh, you gave an example uh, early on in your career, you took the step and you started to look at the HRMS systems from from a company known as SAP, SAP, and then you learned that and you you ventured into technology. This was this is an example that Abhijit gave to me previously, but I want to mention it here. Is uh, how do you feel that that has helped you? But how exactly would you feel if if an HR person steps up and goes out of their comfort zone to collaborate with the wider business? What are the uh, what are the benefits of doing that? Because you know we we're, we're uh, stumbled upon this place where everyone says I'm doing agile training or our company goes agile or we've gone agile in the workplace. Is that really agility or do we mean something else? So can you give us um, uh, a probably uh, a comparison between what real agility is and what you how you feel uh, companies should be working agile post COVID? And I think this is the last question. And then we move on to, we've, we've got a lot of questions coming in from the audience. So oh, we'll sure. move on to those questions. Okay, so I'm going to be brief on this. So I think, uh, you know, for me, a lot of the things that I uh, look back, I can sort of do a retrofit and say, I think it was a great decision. However, at that point of time, I think it was only driven by uh, my desire to, uh, you know, work with something that I had not done before. You know, so that was really the essence of what drove me to try out many different things. Uh, so I believe that, uh, you know, when you have a wide variety of experiences, in which case, uh, you know, you work across functions. So I got an opportunity to work as part of a project team uh, that implemented SAP. 
And I uh, was really learning about uh, SAP at that point of time. Um, since then, lots of things have moved in terms of how we look at uh, information systems in HR. However, that stint, you know, that uh, what I spent, um, really being a novice in that entire function, because all around me were people who were experts. And so, you know, when you learn to operate for, for a while in a place where you don't know anything, that I think is a very humbling experience. And it really takes the value of uh, your learning stuff and trying out different things. So I think that was for me great. B, the other thing that I think helped me was, uh, you know, the ability to work across geographies. So I got an opportunity to do that work across sectors. So I mentioned, uh, you know, uh, that I worked in, uh, you know, IT and I worked in, you know, ITES, uh, worked in consumer goods, also worked in Tata Steel. So it was heavy industry, which I also got an opportunity to look at. So the opportunity to think of, uh, you know, working across services sectors, you know, manufacturing, services, advertising, all of that, when you sort of look at it, it gives you a worldview which is uh, broader because then each time you begin to see and understand HR in a very, very different light than what you've done before because you always start from ground zero because none of your experiences are portable. So I think if I were to really sort of look at what you should be looking at is I think to step into places where that portability of experience is very, very thin. I mean, it's just a plank. It's just good enough for you to go to the other side and get into the deep water. You know, it's like the diving board. It's yeah. not a street. You can barely walk up and then you dive into the entire thing. So I think that's really, I've been lucky that, you know, my managers, my colleagues and all of that, they were generous enough to give me uh, that opportunity and take a chance with me on that. Yes. I think it's also about, when I was talking to you, I think it's also about the mindset that you have uh, of learning. Um, not about, uh, apart from the mindset, but it's about uh, understanding more or less, as you've mentioned before, the whole business and look at it from a business perspective, because you as an HR individual are always looking to uh, upskill, not yourself, but to help the business. So how can, how you know, cross collaboration, cross pollination, and then you as, a, as an individual grew throughout that process. So thank you for, thank you for these. We, we've got a couple of questions. Yes. Um, how should we absorb? So Sana has asked uh, one of the questions. Okay. How should we absorb that much change? You think it uh, it can be taught throughout? So I think she's 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 asked something about uh, change. How how can we absorb the change that that's happening here? Could you be could could you try and give these in in one line answers and then because there are lots of questions coming in. Okay. So and, and um, we'll, um, just one of the ways to sort of look at changes to. Uh, you know, the way you learn a language, uh, and I think I, I, on my site, I do have some posts and all that, even on LinkedIn, I have posting. Uh, uh, approach it with the way that, you know, you are learning a language. Uh, when you learn a language, um, in the initial stages, very inefficient because you're trying to translate. You know, if I try to, um, you know, translate from whatever is the language I'm familiar with to learn a new language, I do that mental translation. And you can never learn because until you stop translating and start thinking in that new language, uh, you will never learn. And once you start thinking in that new language, uh, you know, one of the exercises people say, start labeling everything uh, in that new language. You know, so when you start looking at that, everything around you, millions of things that are around you, everything can be labeled. And when you do that, you begin to get the grammar of that language. It evolves in a most natural way. Think about how people learn 
um, you know, as kids, they learn their mother tongue in the most natural way. They don't, you know, do any translation. And that's how kids learn something rapidly. So that, I think, is the uh, metaphor I would use to drive change. Okay. Uh, there's another question by Hamza, and he's asked, um, uh, his, his question is basically around the importance of EQ and empathy in the COVID more than ever before. Um, considering, you know, uh, work has changed, how important do you think is EQ, and especially for managers who are now managing individuals um, across borders? And as you said, you know, via the internet, uh, or via online, can you give us a, um, just talk about the importance and how basically they can motivate and engage um, not just others, but themselves via the technology. So it's, he, he's mentioned it's very scary, but if you can summarize on, on, on this, and he's, he's mentioned this so, twice or thrice in the future. Okay, all right. Uh, so um, uh, before I answer Hamza, Sana, thank you for that question. Hamza, your uh, question is about, you know, uh, EQ. Uh, on my website, abhijitpadri.com, I've talked about uh, this being the era where you will see, like we had knowledge workers, you know, in the previous era, which was really all about, you know, understanding logically things. Uh, this is going to be the era of uh, the uh, relationship worker where, uh, you know, the people who are able to understand emotions of others and themselves and change their responses such that you are able to modify others' feelings, which means if you are feeling down and out, a person who can understand that you are feeling really a little disappointed and dejected and is able to turn that into hope and positivity are going to be really the most powerful people that you are looking at. These are going to be, you know, the experience makers. So people who who create those experiences that you will really, uh, uh, you know, design experiences for customers, design experiences for, um, uh, you know, your employees. So that's really the ability to understand that becomes very important because it's an emotion which builds trust. And trust is also an emotion. And, and you know, think about it. When we hire people, we say, I want somebody who's passionate. Passion is an emotion. Uh, I want to be able to trust that person. That's an emotion. So if you think about all the things that are really things we look for in other people, we look for emotions. We don't necessarily look for uh, logic. Um, and, and, you know, uh, one important uh, aspect is the job description can be the same. You pick any position that you can think of from the, uh, you know, topmost statesman of a country to, you know, the, uh, the lowly worker that you can think of any job. You know, two people who are doing that job will do it differently based on their personality and the emotions they bring to the table. So the most complex jobs to the least complex jobs, all of them, su success really depends on emotions. Great. Thank you so much. Um, I'm cautious of your time uh, because we've, we've, we've clocked you in for 30 minutes. We're, we're taking the last question. Uh, Vikas has asked an, an amazing question to sum it all up. Um, uh, obviously, your work and my work are around HR leadership and transformation that's happening. And Vikas has, has asked a very amazing question. If you, if you, obviously he's asking you, were to rate HR leaders today in terms of how they've handled the crisis or change, per se, on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, what would you be rating them and why? So I would like to end this with you saying that and, and then I can give give some of my uh, sure. insights. Um, fair enough. Um, I, because that's, uh, you know, uh, um, 
I think uh, you know there there isn't one grading which is going to describe every HR leader across the world across sectors etc. I would use a different framework which is I'm going to draw from my book which is uh, dreamers uh, unicorns. Dreamers are the people who are taking that idea, learning that new language, and sort of creating that. And those who have uh, really worked on that digital transformation a while back, you know, who are already a couple of steps ahead who've invested in, you know, technology for the workplace. Uh, yeah, everybody invests in consumer or customer-related technology. Very few people actually put the same amount of effort inside the organization, so HR technology. Uh, those people who've done that are scaling up now. Those are people who are the unicorns. And then you have the market shapers. You know, market shapers are all the digital companies. These are the only ones who've actually grown and made profits during this uh, pandemic phase. So that's your example of the market shapers. And of course, you look at the uh, balance of the organizations, which would really be, uh, you know, depending on how you pick it, you know, 80, 90% of the organizations are the incumbents. They are really trying to uh, figure out how to, how to make sense of the post-COVID world of work. And for them, I think it's a great opportunity to think about how do you drive that transformation in a manner that makes it, uh, uh, you know, future-proof? Uh, and how do you build in the ability to be constantly adaptable? So I think depending on the organization, as a dreamer, as a unicorn, as a market shaper, I would grade them and, you know, the leftovers, I think, will be the incumbent. So that would be my response. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, I think it's it's a great example of what is, what is currently happening uh, post-COVID world of work. We are obviously focusing specifically on HR leaders and HR uh, HR individuals. So I, I um, just to give the audience a purposefully, I haven't taken those questions in that are not relevant to the topic. Obviously, we would have a whole day that we can discuss things with with Abhijit. Um, so I, I think it's, it's been amazing, Abhijit. Uh, thank you uh, for joining our show. Thank you for listening in to the Decode Work podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed it and that it added value. Please leave a comment below with your thoughts on how we can improve your experience and to stay in the loop, hit the subscribe button so that you can easily listen in to our upcoming speakers. Till then, have a great day.